0: You know, when Dale, when you lead singing, I just wanna sit down. I can we just sing some more and I'll I'll just let you have it. Um well, good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. I want to welcome you and join in everybody else who's welcomed you and tell you how glad we are that you've chosen to be with us this morning. Um, we are thrilled that, that you chose to share your morning with us. Um, before we jump in, I always like to handle a little business, and I can't handle everything because this is a very active and busy church, and so um, you, you pick up a, a Family News on your way out. That's a little paper that's out here in the foyer, and that'll give you a lot more things than I can give you in this brief amount of time um first off i want to uh, update you on uh sorry julie i had to figure out what i did with it um Julie Albert had uh, asked a while back for uh, some donations to raise five hundred dollars for uh, some food uh, to go to uh, some missionaries in nicaragua and uh, that 's a vast oversimplification, but you you get the idea, and this congregation, as usual, uh, blew that out of the water because she asked for five hundred she got a thousand, and so uh, uh 500 went to 520 went to nicaragua to the las banderas church of christ and 520 went to el salvador to the san salvador church of christ you can get more information from her she's going to get us yeah yes you can applaud for that um she's got a we're going to have some video and stuff in the future but i want to get that to you so that you'll know uh i like for you to know when we ask for these things where your money's actually going um I want to tell you a couple more things. Um, Scooter mentioned some of the things that are going on with the youth. I want to mention uh, the next three Wednesday nights. Um, First of all, if you weren't here Wednesday night, let me tell you, you missed out. We had a good time. Um, Yeah, right? Right? um postcards magazine uh wes and karen sponsored uh the ad players to come in and do a a presentation for us uh, a performance and and i'll be honest with you they told me there's two people and no set and and you just got to use your imagination and i'm thinking oh man what have i got us into um But it was amazing, like for real, I I can't, uh, those of you who've taught children's classes, I'm going to tell you, Cooper Portwood and Asher Tipton, and they were just wrapped. And to keep those guys' attention for 45 minutes, right John, that's a a big deal. And and so they were focused, they were in it, and uh, all the kids were in this thing. It was a really good time, and so I tell you what, if you missed out on that, we're going to try to hopefully, uh, Lord willing, make that an annual thing, and so we had nearly 200 people People here on a Wednesday night, 195 actually, and uh, that's that's pretty amazing. And so, anyway, I tell you all that because the next three Wednesday nights we're going to do some special things too. This coming Wednesday night, children and parents, we're going to meet here early at six o'clock. There's going to be dinner and. Uh, or supper for East Texas folks, and uh, but we are going to be here at, at six o'clock, and they're going to we're going to have some some really cool stuff. Heather's put together a bunch of things for kids and families. Um, I think there's going to be like uh, escape room stuff and some uh, games and prizes and 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 all kind of cool stuff. You want to be here for that? Now, if you're not a kid or a parent, you can still be here. Um, it's not exclusive, um, but we're really gearing it towards children. And, and families um, the the men's class and the ladies class will be suspended um, there will be a, a one class still going on for those of you who need a class um, you're you'll still have your class um, but if you if you want to join us you are welcome to join us and and play and and have some fun as we learn and and have fun together that's this coming Wednesday night then the next Wednesday night the 22nd that's the Wednesday night before Christmas we're going to do our traditional candlelight service um, that'll be at 6.30 30 a regular time. We will do a, uh, a candlelight sing-along and uh, and and uh, do some things to, uh, to, to, to to that are more festive. Um, and so that will be the 22nd. And then finally, the 29th, the Wednesday night before the new year, we're going to have a night of prayer. And uh, that's going to be all-inclusive. Uh, we're also going to include children and youth as well because uh, we think it's important for families to be able to pray together and for kids to be able to see their parents as, as we all uh, seek God together for a new year. So that's the next three Wednesday nights, lots of cool things happening, so you want to be part of that Wednesday nights for the rest of the month. And also the rest of the month, we're going to be uh, talking about the heart of Christmas. Now, I'm playing with the Grinch theme because uh, the Grinch, you know, if you remember the story, at the end of the story, he learns that, that Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas means a little bit more, and we're going to talk about what that more is, that it does mean more than trees and gifts and shopping and stuff, and so that's part of our theme for the rest of, of December for the next three Sundays, um, and so we're going to play off of that theme just a little bit, and we're going to talk about how our hearts can grow, and that was a little bit of what we were referencing with the kids. If you remember the story, do you remember the story? Um, Some of us are old enough to remember when this was just a book, um, and and then it was a cartoon, and then there was a movie, and another movie, and another movie, and and Jim Carrey, and and all kind of things. Um, But originally, it was just a Dr. Seuss book, and it started off like this. Every Who down in Whoville loved Christmas, liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Now we know this poem. We know the beginning of this story. We've heard this story for years and years. It's it's classic, you know? And and in the movie and the cartoon and the live action movie, it's classic. You know, it's it's one of those it's a wonderful life, Miracle on 34th Street, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Die Hard, it's a classic Christmas movie. And and, and Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this story, and and we're going to use the Grinch as a backdrop, really as a jumping-off place, to talk about how our hearts can grow this season. Because if we're not careful, it's easy to wind up in the same place as the Grinch this time of year. It's easy to wind up in a place where the noise is just annoying, where the hustle and the bustle is just frustrating, where all the stuff... Is just angering, and you begin to hate the entire season. You begin to get to where you just hate the sound of it, you hate the smell of it, you hate the feel of it. It's just, and and we live in this place of bitterness and anger, living with what the Bible calls a hard heart. Dr. Seuss's surmise, Dr. Seuss surmises the diagnosis of the Grinch's problem is that his heart was two sizes too small. And that's a pretty good diagnosis because I think this morning we'll see that the, the Bible also diagnoses the root of a lot of our problems as coming from the heart as well. There's lots of examples that we could go through in Scripture. This morning, I want to start out in the, in the book of Zechariah. If you have your Bibles, in the book of Zechariah chapter 7 is where we're going to start this morning. That's the Old Testament, book of Zechariah chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 8, and the words will be on the screen if you want to read along. And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. Chapter 7 of Zechariah starts with a delegation being sent down to inquire of the priests, of the prophet, uh, uh, what they are supposed to do. They have a question that they bring to the prophet in verse 3. Should I mourn and fast for the fifth month as I have done for so many years? Now, you can almost hear the sigh in the words. Those of you who have teenagers, you can almost hear, Do I have to... That's what it sounds like. Do we have to do this stuff that we always do? That's what they sound like. And they bring that to the prophet. And what does God respond? In chapter 7, verse 4 through 6, the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you're eating and drinking, were you not feasting for yourselves? See, God's response is pretty harsh. God's response is pretty blunt. He says, were you really doing any of that for me in the first place? You did all this stuff just like you always did. You came and you did the fast and you did the thing and you did the prayers and you did the worship and you did it all like you always did. But was it really for me or was it just a show? Were you just doing it because that's what you were supposed to do? Now, that's a pretty harsh response. But it's one that you and I need to be aware of today. Because I think sometimes we get in the same place, and God might even ask us the same thing. Are you doing your righteousness for me? Are you showing up to church because that's what you're supposed to do? Or are you showing up to worship me? Are you praying to me? Are you seeking me? Or are you just going through the motions? Because one of the great indicators of a hard heart is just that, external demonstration. Put it another way, outward religion without inward, spirit, without inward reality results in spiritual sclerosis. Hard heartedness. We can fast and mourn and worship all we want to, but it's not a substitute for a real relationship with God. In fact, those things may become a hindrance to a real relationship with God when we make them the focus of worship. I was once preaching at a church, and we had a family who left us and, and went to a different church, and, and that's fine. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like the... Uh, the idea that we're all playing on the same team. And so if that ministers to your needs better, I'm okay with that. But they they went to a different church and when I talked to them about it, they said, Well we just we just like this guy's preaching better. Um (laughs) he he really tells people how to live. He tells us what we're supposed to do every day. And I went, Well there you go. Because that's if that's what you're looking for, because I'm not going to be about teaching you about external demonstrations because you can put on a show and you can check all the boxes and you can do all the things. We're going to talk about in here about our hearts because Jesus says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and all that stuff's going to come out, or you can be a Pharisee and just putting on a show. There are lots of Christians who are doing things the right way in the right place, at the right time this morning, whose hearts are still far from God. I don't know how much more blunt I can be. Jesus dealt with this same thing as well. I mean, we referenced the Pharisees just now. He also faced those who were more concerned with outward appearance than inward reality. He, he faced this idea, this hard-hearted religious idea that, that condemned him because he didn't fit their mold of what they thought he should look like. Look with me at Mark 7. Mark chapter 7, we see Jesus in one of his many confrontations like this. Mark chapter 7, start with verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. in 21st century America. I mean, maybe 2020 it was a big deal, um, but it, it seems a little bit foreign to us. While you and I may not have the ceremonial washing of hands every time we come from the marketplace, there are lots of people who are judging others based on their purity and, and whether they are doing things according to the tradition of the elders. Let me give you some examples why is your church hiring a youth minister? Where is your scriptural justification for youth ministers? That's not in the Bible. That's not according to the tradition of the elders. Or how about, uh, the, why does your church talk about Christmas? Christmas is not in the Bible. That is not according to the tradition of the elders. When I grew up in church, we did not ever mention Christmas. And and so why are you talking about Christmas? That is not part of the tradition of the elders we could go on and on why does your church use projection screens why does your church sing songs written after 1930 why does your church clap your hands or raise your hands or have a children's minister or have a kitchen or we could go on and on and on and on and on because too many times we judge piety and purity based on the tradition of the elders and especially this time of year it's easy for us to get wrapped up in the tradition of the elders It's easy for us to get wrapped up in the way we've always done it. And so we start judging other people's righteousness based on what they're doing, and we end up with hearts that are two sizes too small. There's a story told of a a young preacher who took over preaching in a small rural church, church of about 20 maybe, and young guy. The guy before him had been there for 40, 50 years, been there forever. And, and uh, the first Sunday, the guy got up. They didn't have communion thought leaders and song leader. He did everything. And so after he led the songs, he went to, to do the communion, and, and he said the prayer, and then he went back, and he got the tray, and, and, and he took the communion, and then he came back, and he said the next prayer, and then he went back, and he got the tray, and he took the cup, and, and then he came back, and he said the next tra- prayer, and, and then he passed the collection plate. Well, he went out at the back of the building like preachers do at the end of service, and as people came out, they were furious. Because you're not doing communion right. What is wrong with you? Poor guy, he didn't know what he was doing wrong. He was doing things the way he thought he was supposed to. He didn't think he'd done anything wrong. And, and so he asked one of the parishioners, one of the, the congregation, what, what, what did I do? I don't, I don't understand. And they said, well, uh, Brother Smith, every time when he would say a prayer, he would go and go into the corner. And he would bow his head, and then he would pick up the tray. And that's the way you're supposed to do it. Before he picked up the, commun- the, the, the cup, he would go in the corner, and he would bow his head, and then he'd come pick up the tray and hand it to the, to the guy to pass. That's how you do it. Well, this poor young guy was confused because he never heard of this in his life. So he finally called Brother Smith, who was still alive and still uh, uh, active and, and, and healthy. He just retired. And he called him up, and he told him his problem. They're telling me I'm not doing communion right. And, and they said I'm supposed to go in the corner and bow my head. Am I, am I missing? They didn't teach me this in preacher school. What, what, what did I miss? And on the other end of the phone, Brother Smith's laughing. He said, Son, I would go over into the corner and touch the radiator to expel the static electricity so I didn't shock myself when I picked up those metal trays. (laughs) But for 50 years, the people watching him do that had decided that was the tradition of the elders. That's how we get in these places a lot of times. And we don't even know how we got there. So... That's the problem with traditions of the elders. The Pharisees take Jesus to task, and Jesus responds this way. Listen to his response in verse 6. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Again, Outward religion without inward reality results in spiritual sclerosis. See, Jesus turned the purity system of of their culture upside down. And and he shook up the social boundaries, and, and he shook up the traditions of the elders and the way things were always supposed to be in place of, of the, the rabbinical idea of be holy for I am holy, Jesus replaced that. He replaced that with be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. And all of a sudden, there were no outcasts who were cast too far out for Jesus to love them. There was nobody who was so far gone that they were not eligible for the kingdom of heaven. Not, not Roman collaborators, not lepers, not prostitutes, not the, the crazed or the demon-possessed. It didn't matter. Everyone was a part of the kingdom of God in the eyes of Jesus. And it's easy for us to get confused. I was looking at social media this week. And as you're looking at social media... You, 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 we're hating different people every week. Here's my problem, though. When God hates the same people that you hate, it's pretty clear that you've made Him in your image. We've got to learn to be more like Jesus. Because when we get sucked into anything that is causing us to be hard-hearted and bitter and to hate, we're in danger of becoming more Grinch-like than Christ-like. Too many churches exist in a world of hate today. Too many churches exist in a place where uh, that they, they, I mean, Westboro Baptists, right? Do you know those people? The the, the people that that pick at the funerals of soldiers because they're making a point of I don't know what. But but uh, I I actually saw a T-shirt. I tried to get Hillary to buy me for Christmas this week that said, "Live your life in a way that Westboro Baptists will pick at your funeral." Um. I can't understand why she didn't want me to wear that. But um, seriously, there's too many churches whose world is predicated on hating. And that's not Jesus Christ. And and, and so you can be a church of hate, but you're not a church of Jesus Christ. It's an indictment of our own hard-heartedness. Because the good news of the gospel of Jesus The good news of Jesus Christ is this, that Jesus knows our own hard-heartedness. Jesus knows my own hatred, my own selfishness, my own bitterness, my own stuff, and He still loved me enough to die for me. While we were yet sinners... Not when we were good enough. Not when we did everything according to the tradition of the elders. Not when we were perfectly obedient enough that we justified it. While I was still sinful, Christ died for me. That's gospel. That's good news. That is the good news of Christmas. Not that there was a baby born in a manger. The baby was important because the baby had to grow up to be the man. But the good news is that that man who was fully human and fully God, chose to die on a cross so that I could have eternal life. This morning, we are at a place where that's the call. If you're not a Christian, that's your call. Don't, don't harden your heart. Don't, don't let your heart become so calloused and, and so bitter and so beat down, so worried about going through the motions that, that it can't be broken by the good news of Jesus. Don't let your heart become so hard and so bitter that, that, that it cannot find a place to love like Jesus. Allow Him to break your heart this morning. Allow the Spirit to pierce your heart this morning. Don't, don't let the impurity, the defilement, or the tradition of the elders keep us from coming to our Savior. We want to help you with that however we can. And so that means if, if you're in a place and you were like, you know, I, I've, been, I've been going through the motions, and I need, I need to re-break my heart, I, I, I need to, 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 to allow my heart to be softened, then let us pray with you. That's what we're here for. We believe that prayer is the work of the church, and one of, the, one of, if not the most important things that we can do is to lift you up to the place of power. That's not here, that's not us, that's Jesus Christ, and we want to help you. If you've never become a Christian, if you've never given your life to Him, there is nothing more important that we can give this morning than our time and our help as you become a child of God, as you allow Him to to break your heart, to create in you a new heart, as Ezekiel promised. Whatever we can do, we're going to sing a song right now. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to respond, to allow your heart to, to be broken, to be softened, to be healed. Whatever we can do to help you, want not you come right now while together we stand and sing? Hide me now.